0: You know that I take feedback very seriously, right? Most like of the time, feedback yeah. feedback from the internet and from our our fans.
1: I've I know, okay, I know that you don't like mo like f- you you've built up some internet armor, mm. but that doesn't mean some chitin. It doesn't mean that it doesn't get in there anyway right
0: so it yeah it take it takes approximately and this is this is a rough ratio so don't like don't take this as gospel but it takes about 100 positive reviews to make me forget about one negative review so i we do we read all the iTunes reviews that we get yeah and we take them very seriously and there's there's one that we got recently uh-huh um that said we were it was a giggle fest mm That's a that's a direct quote. It said we were it was a giggle fest for a couple of giggle pusses. And I'm really like I I hear that like I and I resolve now I hereby resolve to stop being funny on our podcast. Okay. And you have to not laugh at my I can't I'm not going to be funny. I'm gonna be very serious. Well, I'm the, the, I'm, hello, is, I'm Ro, I'm Roman Mars.
1: Welcome to Overdue. This is a podcast about the books you've been reading to Mead. My name is Craig.
0: My name is Andrew. Excuse me.
1: I was busy trying not to giggle.
0: So you said reading to Mead?
1: Yeah. <laughs> All
0: right. So that's a that we'll mulligan that one. Are you sh- Are you sure? But from now on. Dead deadly serious deadly serious 100% of the time deadly deadly serious
1: well that's relevant to this week's book right we are in the throes of spooktober I imagine that we're going to be talking about some deadly serious topics in this week's book Andrew
0: we are that's true
1: would you you could pick up the ball that I tossed you metaphorically and tell me what this week's book is? I'm just is. I'm
0: I'm being very professional and I'm waiting I'm waiting to make sure that you're done saying what you had to say before I move on to the next topic is of conversation. Is that
1: professional or is just like vibing with your co-host professional? It's just
0: this is this is about hearing what you have to say and not interrupting you.
1: I don't know how I because feel about you trolling one comment this I'm entire not episode.
0: Tro- I'm not trolling anybody's comment. I cannot stress that enough. Okay. I'm taking this very seriously because it's serious work, Craig. I've... Okay. This this week, I read Guy Endor's The Werewolf of Paris. And the way that I pronounce Guy Endor should suggest to you that i am not going to pronounce all the french names good
1: okay well because I i'm sure it's
0: i'm sure it's guy.
1: it probably is right guy. well let's talk about samuel samuel <laughs> samuel guy Endor, uh who was born samuel goldstein in 1901 and died in the I can't
0: imagine why a Jewish man in the early 1900s would ever change his name.
1: Well, yeah. He didn't change it himself. Um, well, I don't know why he started going by Guy. That might have been his middle name. But he was born uh, to his mom and dad, Isidore and Micah. My- Micah? Malka, excuse me. Can't read my own notes. And his... Uh, His mother took her own life when he was four, and they moved, and when they were moving, his dad, like, changed their last name. Um, Not quite, like, I guess to get them out of their difficult past, Mm -hmm. um, probably also early 20th century
0: like there was just, it was a very it was a very active period of history. Sh- let's call it that. That's let's good. approach this neutrally and seriously
1: and professionally. Yes.
0: Many events occurred.
1: Um Isidore, uh Samuel Guy, Guy's Guy. Uh, let's say Guy. His dad had a dream that his deceased wife willed their children to have a European education. So he sent them to Vienna. <laughs> uh he had he had sold an invention of some kind um and had the money to send them over there. Though while they were in Vienna um under the tutelage of a Catholic governess, their dad just like ghosted just just disappeared.
0: So he okay I Craig, you know me. I'm very serious. I do I've l- I'm a very actually serious... I've learned
1: this about you in the last 10 minutes. I don't think I knew this about you beforehand.
0: I'm not I do not mean to cast aspersions because that's not the kind of thing that a serious person does, but to say that you have a dream that requires you to like move to another country and pay a lot of money and get your kids a fancy education, mm-hmm. and then to, like, run away and leave seems... Like, maybe it seems like he was lying about having that dream.
1: Papa was a rolling stone. <laughs>
0: like, he just... Yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't know about that. Um, That does not seem like a very professional, professional d- dad I, thing to tr- do. True,
0: I cannot endorse this behavior <laughs> in a serious father.
1: Uh, So, um... Guy Endor, when he was of school and age, uh, raised enough money to get himself to New York's Columbia University. He met his wife in New York. He also took an interest in communism at that time. Uh, That's been... an
0: unfortunate time and place to take an interest in that particular thing.
1: Yeah. Late twenties, early thirties. Um well know. just
0: going forward from there. Yeah. Because I well... know he he died in the nineteen seventies, and so pretty much he would have been living through a couple decades of the cold war there at the end of that
1: yeah so when he moved to hollywood in the 30s with his wife um he was still publishing novels his first novel was the man from limbo in 33 i think this book andrew was 1935 um, um
0: this one i believe was 33 so i'm not sure if he published two books in 33 or if you have the first date wrong but
1: no, uh, i i could have probably the first date wrong i'm gonna say that that's probably
0: the man from limbo was it's in
1: 1930, 1930. Ah, well i'm truly, sorry that truly
0: unprofessional <laughs> behavior from you my friend
1: i sorry i kind of stopped giggling um so he moves to hollywood starts making movies um he worked on mark of the vampire for bela lugosi he eventually had to start Selling his scripts under a pen name, Harry Rellis, which was the, I think his wife's brother's name or wife's brother-in-law's name. Because he was under investigation by the House Un-American Activities Committee.
0: Surprise! And
1: would eventually be blacklisted uh, for that. So uh, that's...
0: At what was, point do you think that that became like a badge of honor for people on the list? I mean, I I I have to imagine that it also came with real like professional and personal implications, but you I know, like know. like if like on Twitter for for just for example, sure, like sure. That, Um, when Gamergate was at its peak, there was a sort of block list that they were like supporters of that movement were passing around. And everybody who was on it was a was a liberal SJW and was not to be trusted. And getting on that, I think some people saw that as sort of a sort of a badge of honor. Like it, it means you're making the right people upset.
1: Yes, I think th- I think at the time, though, when it's affecting your livelihood in a more direct way. Sure. It probably was not
0: probably a badge of was honor. sure no i i under, i need to remember that <laughs> anything that happens on twitter does not matter
1: <laughs> yeah okay
0: and that's on me no that this is on still you. i'm still learning the ropes here
1: professional growth here mm-hmm. um he was a committed activist which i think probably derives from his political beliefs um he had written Uh, some stories and uh, some pamphlets about uh, the Sleepy Lagoon case where um, 17 Mexican teenagers were incarcerated for murder in 1940. um, That seemed to be an erroneous charge, similar to the earlier case of the Scottsboro Boys, which I think he had um, also written pamphlets about. But I think that dovetails with some of his fiction and I imagine we'll get into a little bit of this with the book this week, but he also wrote a book called Babouk, which was about the Haitian revolution. And I don't think he found a great audience for it, but he seemed into historical fiction as like a, a tool or at least a way to explore his political beliefs. Um, not, I was reading about it and it didn't sound too dissimilar or at least it sounded related to what Victor Hugo was up to with maybe some different specific beliefs. But the idea that you could write fiction about a particular period of time or particular period like place to explore something that you valued and thought, you know, people should know about and talk about.
0: Yeah. And and that does come up in, in the werewolf of Paris. So if you're are you ready to uh, to segue here? just making sure yeah very like professionally um so like i said this was the werewolf of paris was published in 1933 i don't know that there's a ton about like its publication history that you need to know except to say that i believe that he took a he took a flat fee when he sold it to the publisher because this is like getting into the throes of the great depression sure and then it became pretty successful and he did not get a lot of money from Mm. from Mm. it and so like his next book i think was published with a different publisher because he did not get a favorable deal from from this one
1: well Um, and i I also read that that was also because of the subject matter of babook when he he later moved to vanguard press and that yeah yeah it, it it
0: could yeah. be it could be either or there's some debate as to as to what like what prompted that move between sure. publishers but i think there's probably the truth probably somewhere in the middle very as professional of you. say yeah. yeah no thank you very equivocal very professional um
1: <laughs> did you just say you're very equivocal very professional yes
0: <laughs> okay did it was that funny to you? Because Those, if it is, I cannot say it anymore.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Those two things are the most related. Anyway, continue. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so this book's a frame narrative. Let's get into that. It's sort of in the in the gothic style, as as many of the like we've read a lot of faux gothic books for for Spooktober this year. Sure, sure. I think. Um. So you've got this this nameless american businessman who's who's stomping around and he finds this he stumbles upon this manuscript of uh what is it 34 sheets of closely written french an unsolicited defense of sergeant bertrand callier at the latter's court martial in 1871 again i know that bertrand is not the pronunciation but i looked up the pronunciation and i can't it's my mouth can't make the sounds. Okay, so as a professional, like I don't want to just be spitting into the mic. That's reasonable. Time.
1: Well, yeah, you don't want to ruin the mic. Very professional of mm-hmm. you.
0: Thank you. Yeah, this is my this is my mic, and it's mine. Um, what else do I want to talk about? Um, so yeah, frame frame narrative, and it's also like it. So it's been described as the werewolf book. Like, yeah, it's, let's
1: it's, talk about that.
0: It's the book about werewolves in the way. And I guess I expected it to be the book about werewolves in like in as much as Dracula is the book about vampires. Or like we we've tried, I think, for past Spooktobers and past like spooky books to find the novel that like embodies the monster. So like we've done what, Frankenstein's monster. Mm-hmm. Um I know we've read about mummies even though that was a little a little <laughs> was, off the beaten path. <laughs> yep. They were a little sexier than I think they normally are. Normally. Yes. Tip, but well,
1: let's say not normally, but typically. typically. Be very professional here.
0: Typical mummies. Yes. Um mummy typical. <laughs> mhm. And but but like the and the book is about A werewolf. Yeah. There is arguably a werewolf in it, but it's also... Arguably. It's also not about werewolves. It's also about politics and stuff.
1: Do you just not know enough about werewolves to know that werewolves are into politics?
0: No, no. no, Wait, what? Do you know this?
1: I don't know that. Has this been proven
0: in studies?
1: (laughs) Werewolf studies?
0: Are they particularly politically active?
1: Well, I don't know, but I do know that lycanthropy which is the word for werewolf disease um, is Greek. And it comes from wolf and human. The two root words. That makes sense. It it originally meant that you just had a ravenous appetite and like ate like a wolf. (laughs) And then,
0: and that is actually, that is what the song hungry, like the wolf is about. (laughs) Yep. Mm hmm.
1: Um, Try not to giggle uh, No
0: I'm stating a fact no, Craig Why do you gotta laugh about it um, and That's exactly what the review said not to do
1: Later uh, Lycanthropy as a medical term Instead of meaning that you, you did turn into a wolf It meant people who thought That they turned into wolves which is like a real thought, like you think you're a werewolf, that's the disease like that's interesting
0: therapy. because there there are elements of that interpretation in this book, especially once the the supposed werewolf runs up against like doctors and stuff mm. who mm-hmm. are who are trying to not really trying to treat his condition, but are just kind of adjacent to his condition, sure
1: uh I'm pulling some of this stuff from the great website. I believe it is godsandmonsters.com. Um, you got to go Sounds there. Sounds very authoritative.
0: They got it's, the they got the .com. I so. just got to
1: tell you about this site, Andrew. This is under the about this site part. My name is Mike Belmont. I have unofficially studied mythology and folklore my entire life, always hoping to someday be able to formally document everything I have read, heard, and experienced. This site is that thought come to life. It's a couple very things.
0: Pro- very professional. Do a couple of things. Yeah. First, very professional. Uh-huh. Second, I think professional actually might be the word that he's looking for when he says unofficially. Yes. He is professional. Like it's not, you don't yes. go into the borders and get like the authorized biography of like sure. vampires or no. skeleton, like living skeletons or whatever.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I like Mike Belmont. I'm I'm for him. Um, you will also find if you read up on werewolves that like going all the way back to Greek and Roman mythology, getting turned into a wolf usually was the result of like eating a person. Like that was a that was like a punishment if you were a cannibal or you know one guy rit- like murdered a child and so he got turned into a wolf. So, So, you
0: know, you know, in like some religious texts where they're trying to get you not to eat certain kinds of food and you can arguably trace that to like the kinds of foods that were not safe to eat at the time that the religious text was written. And I'm not trying to like if you believe a particular thing like that's totally fine. I'm just I'm strictly talking about. The like scholarly interpretation of some of this stuff. Yes, it sounds like you know, don't murder a child, or you'll or you're turn into a werewolf. It sounds like it's supposed to be more of a deterrent than it yeah. is like a serious diagnosis.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Uh huh. I'm on to you, doctors. I'm yep. professional now.
1: Um, there's can't hide this from me. Like a lot of the like where do werewolf sightings come from kind of thing. Like once we got into the Middle Ages and we started pers- like persecuting people for being witches because we just like didn't understand them and needed scapegoats uh you start running into like people probably had real legit medical conditions that got conflated with being part wolf like you had contracted rabies or you had some other like non-neurotypical condition like down syndrome or or something or you had like a, a hair growth disorder or something like that Mm-hmm. so it uh, a way to other people and just call them monsters because rather than you you don't have a social framework for just being kind to people yeah uh, and, that, and that also
0: that also comes up in this book is is one of our protagonists sort of draws like draws many parallels between the typical people and the werewolf in question yes um especially toward the end. So let's let's get into the story.
1: Yeah, I I'm gonna, I, I want to find out what type of werewolf this is. So I yeah, want you, like I, I want think you to get into this.
0: Some of the origin story stuff is, is really interesting. So the like the structure of the book is I think it's partially presented as the this like manuscript that our frame narrator found mm-hmm. like at the beginning of the thing and it also seems at many times like he's sort of interjecting very lightly in a in a scholarly sort of way and and putting in this other stuff that he has found in his own research because there's like there's just some there's some information that we get that wouldn't make sense in the context of one manuscript from one person. Okay. Especially when the when the story is clearly telling you about the time that the guy who wrote the manuscript was getting, like, the wool pulled over his eyes by somebody else. Okay. <laughs> Seems like he would not be self-aware enough to know about that, though I could be wrong. <laughs> it's possible that he was extremely professional. Okay. And he was always aware of everything. It's very possible. So you've got these two families, it's the, uh, the Pita valls and the pitamo
1: Yep. The Pitamonts. Nailed the, it.
0: Uh, Pitamonts. The P... The P... Yes. Uh-huh. But I like... I really like pitamo pitamo pitamo
1: And this... So, so wait. This takes place in France, is what you're saying.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's called the Werewolf of Paris. Try to keep up. Okay. Um... So you've got these these two families ha- have been feuding, feuding, feuding since time out of mind. And so you get to the point where they have feuded until their bloodlines have dwindled and basically nobody cares about this anymore. And it's like three people who all hate each other.
1: <laughs> good, good. So
0: one of them disguised as a monk, if this is one of, the, one of the Pitamol, disguised as a monk, goes into the castle of the Pitavals and he kills the like the you know the patriarch of the family when and then is this he's this taking place the um, so the the main action of the book is happening primarily um so this the backdrop is the franco prussian war and particularly the paris commune of 1870 and 71 sure, so sure. the main action of the book is taking place in 70 and 71 and in the years leading up to it and then this Section of book is taking place like p- a few generations before okay. that. Oh, I that's think. right. You
1: said it's origin
0: story. Okay, I think so. This is this is an origin story. Yeah. Um. So the other vols they they discover this guy because he makes a he makes a loud sound at an inopportune time in between killing everybody and he gets found out. Mm-hmm. And they take him and they like throw him in a hole and they just they. Keep him alive, and they feed him like raw meat, and they do this for literally like fifty years. Can you only eat raw meat that long? This this guy apparently. Did. He's a
1: real trooper, huh? Okay. Maybe I mean
0: maybe some of it was cooked. I don't know, but like,
1: but no veggies, no nanners, no, no like the. Milk. I mean,
0: you you gotta give me some nanners. I you, how okay? How you like your nanners? Unbruised. Well, like. Where on the ripeness spectrum do you like your bananas? Because I, like I like, I like a ripe banana. I like, I like em. them so ripe that it's, they're like two days from banana bread.
1: No, I like them a little, a little green,
0: a little green? Oh, yeah. green.
1: I like a little oh, no. fight in my banana. Oh, putting up a little resistance.
0: Oh, but they taste green. Like you just you eat you put them, you eat them and they taste green. Don't eat the green part. No, but the, the the banana part tastes green because no, it's not doesn't. ready yet. No, it's not ready yet. It right? tastes
1: like it's not mushy. That's really important no, to you me.
0: God, get that mushy though. It's oh. like it's like eating a stick of pudding. porridge.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I don't want to unwrap a fruit that God put on this earth for me and have porridge come out. It's That's not. all I want.
0: That's no. all I want. Ew. Give them ripe bananas.
1: What is happening in this book?
0: Tweet at us and tell us what kind of bananas you like. Use the hashtag AndrewWasRight. So they have this they have this locked in in this hole for many, many years, and it's like he is desperate for food and he doesn't like he's waiting for the rest of his family to come and rescue him and it just never happens. And mm-hmm. so he like predictably his relationship to reality and sanity is estranged, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, if they, they feed him like two or three times a week, I think. And he has his internal clock tuned to know when to expect food. And if they hold it back from him, he like howls and he gets all loud about it. And sometimes they, they let him howl just to, just because they think it's funny. Like his oh. captors do.
1: That's kinda sick. Okay.
0: And like and and later on the implication is this guy like the this guy is let free and we flash forward to probably like the 1850s ish, some sometime in there. Okay. Um so you've got these you've got these people. You've got uh Imar Gallier, um, he's got his um servant Francois or is is that the is that how you pronounce the female version of that name?
1: Françoise? Is there an e at the end? Yeah,
0: there is an e at the end.
1: Françoise. Françoise. I guess
0: Françoise would be the boy. Yeah, yeah. You took many years of French. I took school. some
1: years of French.
0: <laughs> so that's that's a any amount of years is enough that you should be able to help me with pronunciation.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: And they've got like this this young innocent country bumpkin servant girl named Josephine, yeah. And they send Josephine on an errand to the church, during, like one dark and stormy night, and she is raped, Ooh. essentially, by this priest, Father Pitamal. Okay. Of the of the, of the of the of the of the Okay. And this gets her pregnant. Uh Uh-huh. And she, I mean, she, you know, she carries the pregnancy to term. She's very, like, she has sex with everybody when she's pregnant. Like, there's something, she was very innocent and, like, doe-eyed before. And since she got pregnant, she just wants to have sex with everybody. So it's, like, already, even before this baby is born, it's implied that there's something, like, not quite right with the pregnancy or with like what this baby is doing to her. Mm -hmm. Um, Father Pete DeMond ends up running off and like joining church after church and like stealing stuff and like moving from community to community. And eventually just like fades into the background and nobody really knows what happens to him, but it's clear that he's a guy of ill repute. Yeah. Um, And so that's, that's like point one is it's not, clear in this book if like the werewolfism comes from if it's like a nature or nurture thing just like if if what the Pita Vals did to this one Pita mall guy like a long time ago carries forward and like affects future members of the family or if this was something that was like in them all along because they were having this really petty feud forever and ever or, or like what
1: oh okay i see what you're saying so it's not like, it is not directly implied that the man who was put in a hole and forced to eat meat, like, went off and had a line of descendants. No,
0: no, no, no. It's just, like, a, it's a later pita- pitamo, P- Pitamo.
1: And they're the people who put the guy in the
0: tunnel? In the hole? They, they the pita- were the people who were put in the tunnels. The okay. pizza vols were the people who put the guy in the in the tunnel. And they are like you get a quick and this is where i was talking about like the the scholarly bent is it seems like the frame narrator like track down what happened to the pita balls, but it's nothing nothing of consequence to the rest of the story okay
1: okay but so there's not like no one got bit by a magic wolf
0: no like nobody got bit by a wolf it's just like maybe being wolfy was bred into these people or something by this one awful thing that happened in the you know back in the mists of, of time okay so she um,
1: gives birth to this baby, and it's a wolf baby. Or... She gives birth
0: to this baby, and it seems like I mean it's it's an ugly baby for starters. Though I think that a lot of babies, like babies, get off easy because no one wants to come up to some people who like made a person and be like, "Hey, bad could, work." Like, <laughs> try again. Well, and it's like like it's not your best work. Like I think you could do better.
1: Well, I I don't know I. At that, Then you start having a discussion of, like, should we just be – can't you judge a baby on its merits and how hard it works and not on how it looks?
0: Babies don't do anything, though. Babies are sponges for, like, the first like four or five years.
1: Well, judge them on how good they are at sponging, then. <laughs> They're all great at it. They're most of them. <laughs> now, so she had the baby. Did she, like, go back to normal? You said, like, the baby, like, Yeah, trained. actually,
0: okay like as soon as the baby exits exits through the gift shop <laughs> she goes back to being innocent so there, you know I Imar Gallier is this guy who are getting a lot of the story through and Josephine like lures him into her, her in with her wiles and they are they're having this torrid affair where they're having all the sex all the time while she is pregnant
1: and then she has a baby, but
0: she has the baby, and then it's like, "Who are you again?" She had it's a not baby. like she does. It's not like she doesn't know who he is, but she doesn't want to have sex with him anymore. Um, so, so, aside from being sort of ugly at first, this baby also, like, it, it throws fits sometimes. It sound a little bit like howling. It has hairy palms. Hey, it's just a baby. It has hairy palms and one evening or one day, like when it's having a fit, um, Imar's aunt dies. And it's like, not again, like a, a lot of this is like possible coincidence, possible innuendo, but it's like maybe this, maybe something's wrong with this baby. Well, did the baby punch her? No, or... it was in another room. It was just like throwing a howling fit when it oh, happened. Oh, okay. okay. So this this baby grows up, and its mother is around, and Francoise is around, and Josephine, the mother, is around. And it grows into a like teenager and then into a young man, and his uncle takes an interest in like well um, it's not technically his uncle but that's how he refers to yeah, Imar yeah. Is, it's you know it's his uncle cuz he's around and he helps provide for the family and whatever he um he like i he Imar like is 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 very attuned to like odd stuff that happens with this kid like especially like he notices he notices him like pacing in his room and breathing really heavily, and there's this one evening where this other person in town shoots a wolf with a silver bullet mm. and then Imar finds the silver bullet like lodged in his in in his nephew's thigh and this is this is Bertrand whoa to just like not even make a make an effort at. Pronouncing it right again, but the the nephew's name is is Bertrand, and so that's who he is. The, that's the werewolf guy. Um, you have a look on your face, like I'm skipping over something. Or no, something. I was
1: I just needed to reconnect the dots of Bertrand being the guy whose papers we found, who is now the nephew. That's it's fine. not I it's was... not
0: his papers. The papers were by Armar about him. Correct. Okay. Ber- yes. Great. All right. Awesome. Um. And so Aymar like convinces himself slowly over the course of many years that like canthropy is a likely cause of all this stuff. And he like feeds his nephew raw meat and he and he keeps him locked in his room at night. And it seems like he's kind of like taming the wolfish part of him more Sh- or less.
1: Yeah, okay. I um, like that it took years.
0: Well, like, I mean, I, this kid is, like, growing up and stuff, I like, guess, you know.
1: I think, I don't know, man. Like, nowadays, if you think your kid is, like, doing drugs or something, like, you sit him down you have a conversation. You don't, like, take years to slowly. Well, what do you, I
0: mean, what are you going to do? Are you going to sit him down and be like, son, I think you might be a werewolf.
1: I thought might be the best way to go about it.
0: I don't, I don't like the friends that you're to. hanging out with.
1: <laughs> I don't know. What, I don't like the music you're listening to when you're a wolf. Like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I guess this this then raises the question, and maybe we'll find this out. Like, what does Bertrand know about himself as a werewolf?
0: He suspects there's something up because he has like dream, like very vivid dreams sometimes, where he will like go out and hunt or or something. Um, Now, I should I should note that, again, like this, this book is the werewolf book, but it's like there is no relationship between the moon and when he turns. Mm -hmm. It's just like something that happens sometimes. And he is like he's very aware of it and he even tries to fight it off in a lot of cases. But it's ultimately something that he's like helpless against.
1: Okay, And he is turning into a wolf. He's not like a wolf man.
0: Well, so that's there's some ambiguity about that that oh. I think we can talk about a little bit later. But okay. like for, for for the purposes of now, it doesn't really matter whether he's actually a wolf or a wolf man. It's just like that the guy who shot him thinks he shot a wolf, and Imar found the bullet in his body. And okay, so that's good enough for good enough for our purposes for now. Yes. So he so Imar thinks he's he's tamed this the the wolfish part of his nephew. And is, like, is overseeing his education and, like, takes him to Paris to take some quizzes and stuff. And he ends up, like, losing control of his of his nephew at some point. And actually, his his nephew gets out one night and, like, not only does he kill one of his friends in town, but he also has sex with his mom. Whoa. Like, in wolf form, where Wha- he's not really... Wha- <laughs> Like sometimes, well, okay, okay. So this is where the ambiguity comes in. It's not, it's not clear if he was like actually a wolf or if he was just doing like wolfish stuff. But he will, when he's feeling like a little more animalistic, do stuff that he then like regrets the very next morning and laments and whatever. It's like he's not in control of himself, and that does play into what you were saying earlier: is that lycanthropy was sometimes given as a diagnosis for what we would today recognize as a, a legit, like a legitimate mental illness of some sort, you know?
1: Yeah. And so this, like some
0: kind of multiple personality, something going yeah. on
1: almost. So I don't want to derail the plot. Cause I, there, I think there's more to come, but I do think like, I was trying to think of what the central theme of the werewolf is. Cause like the vamp and both vampires and wolves have a very sexy themes sometimes, but like, vampires it's more like you get sadness about being immortal and you get like parasitic sex relationships a lot right Mm -hmm. um frankensteins are more you know that's about like scientific knowledge and the pursuit of knowledge like raising all behind it to the ground And,
0: and also on the monster's end of it why can't i just be a normal person Mm -hmm. why do i have to be a giant monster why doesn't anybody love me
1: yes and the werewolf seems to be about like can i control myself like what yeah what is it's it's useful
0: to to view many of these archetypes through the lens of buffy the vampire slayer because i think it it distilled these things down to their essence in a way that later became like terminal for vampires but (laughs) Was a little more nuanced and interesting for werewolves, where on that show, for pretty long stresses of time, there were people who were werewolves. Yeah, sure. And thanks to the people around them, they could be like locked up or something while they were werewolves Mm -hmm. and like control themselves and be like quote unquote normal for a while.
1: Yeah. And, And I think there are certainly other mythologies. Just as vampires are different, there are other mythologies that treat this differently. But we're we're kind of, as we've said, we're dealing with one of the prototypical werewolf books. Yeah, but I, I think and I think became I think a you're, film and whatnot.
0: Yeah, I think I think you're right to say that the like the the lack of control over yourself and the desire to have that control over yourself is important to the werewolf archetype a lot of the time. Sure.
1: So um, what happens next? He killed a dude. He had sex. Maybe he was a wolf, but he was at least doing bad stuff.
0: Yeah. So what he does is he runs off to Paris. And at this point, like, Armar loses track of him. And the book gets – it drifts a little bit. I found the I, – I say – I have to say that I found the first part of – the first, like, half of the book more compelling and more readable than the second half just because it's – you know, it's doing this origin story thing and it's tracing these like people and this clear story of this one person. I mean, what the second half of the book is doing is like intentional. It is furthering the political ends of the, of the narrative, but I just, I di- it didn't resonate with me quite as much. Sure. Um, so he runs off to Paris and this is like, this is during the timeline of this Paris commune in 1870, 71 um we've talked a little bit about this general like era of of france's development before i think the scarlet pimpernel is when we got the most into it but like when you're talking about late 1700s into the like the entirety of the 1800s france blows up with some regularity so we, yeah, so in like social order, social change and upheaval is completely normal for the country in this era.
1: Yeah, in in order we have read like in terms of chronological France history, it goes Scarlet Pimpernel and then Le and now this guy because um, mm-hmm. Les Mis is like almost it's like the previous revolution
0: to. Or, Is this uh, the Revolutions of 1848, perchance?
1: Uh, it might even be just before that, but then okay. the Revolutions of 1848 come after that, and then this guy shows up around the Franco-Prussian War.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned the Revolutions of 1848 only because Aymar was injured in them. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, so Bertrand runs off to Paris, and he like what so what's happening in in Paris at this point and I'm going to oversimplify this and I'm not going to get everything right but for like our purposes the basics of what you need to know is that Paris was being run by this sort of local more revolutionary government and it was at odds with the rest of the government of France
1: imagine the national guard takes over Washington DC and the army is called in to fight the National Guard that
0: is exactly the deal except France and not America yeah <laughs> like it's like the National Guard and the army are even like the two warring bodies so you've got you've got Paris which is being run by the these more revolutionary types and then you've got the like the the government of France which is stationed primarily in Versailles Versailles Versailles. Cool.
1: <laughs> there, I, you did not pick. I'm surprised you did not pick the Ohioan pronunciation, which I believe is Versailles.
0: I know Versailles is not right, <laughs> and Ohio is like as a state really great at having exotic like Athens is a like Lima. Yeah, is a city in Ohio.
1: Isn't there a place in New York City though called like Houston Street? Where's Houston Street? Is that
0: Houston? Houston Street is um toward the south end of Manhattan after the numbered avenues go away. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit I'm trying to remember what the exact neighborhood is. I think it's a little south of like Lower East Side, but it's sure. in that it's in that milieu somewhere. And from what but I But yeah, no, I definitely yeah. like that that was a moment for me as a <laughs> New York adjacent person was learning. <laughs> yeah, it's not Houston Street. <laughs>
1: uh about the the uh commune and i imagine we'll get to the bloody week in may of 71 right yes we will Uh, but i think and this was all kicked off because the government like made a treaty with the prussians and the folks in paris were like nah i don't know we don't like
0: that one man no it's not good it's not great okay so bertrand runs off and he's a member of the national guard essentially because like one of the one of the the resolutions passed by the, the government of, the, of Paris at the time was that, like, every able-bodied man was in the National Guard. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it, it had a, there were a lot of problems with this approach, including lack of experience and the fact that most of these people did not even know who they were reporting to. Cool. But, yeah, this is, like, this is what Bertrand has run off to, to do. Mm-hmm. because he can't he like can't be in his town anymore and Imar, like he tries to follow him and keep track of crimes that could reasonably be attributed to somebody who is exhibiting like wolfish tendencies so people who got injured at, at night or, or whatever um but he he for a long time he sort of loses the scent of Bertrand so Bertrand is off and he meets this woman named Sophie who is involved with this with this other guy but she's like really she's into death and she doesn't love this other guy that much and so she and Bertrand like meet each other and get involved mm. and when i say get involved i mean it in the most involved possible way that i can like so he is trying to fight off these werewolfy urges that he has and to do this he will cut her Mm. and suck the blood out and she like likes pain and likes to be hurt and so for a while they reach this sort of equilibrium where she's into letting him do this and he needs to do it to keep himself under control and so this is how they are existing
1: it's called a compromise
0: yeah this is compromise it's a very professional thing to do it's
1: fit. they're adulting right now as a professional yeah two consenting adults mm-hmm. uh-huh
0: i mean it's it's it doesn't quite get as sexy as like vampires got in dracula even
1: oh really not i thought you were gonna make it a joke about like current sexy vampires, but you're talking about Dracula.
0: No, I'm not enough of an authority. Like angel and spike are where my, is, that's where my knowledge of sexy vampires begins and ends. And I feel like I need to at least have read twilight to like fully understand where that movement s- ended. Yeah. You said, <laughs> the,
1: you said those words aloud on this podcast. So we'll, um,
0: I'm not like, I, I said, I would need to do that. mm. I did not say that I had any interest in ever doing
1: that. Okay, so good thing you're editing this one, because I would just remove the word need from the sentence you said.
0: Yeah, don't do that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that would not be very professional of me.
0: No, it would be extremely unprofessional. So, this this is happening, and in the background, things in Paris are getting worse. Okay. And we're leading up to this like bloody week that you mentioned, where essentially, right? And correct me if I'm wrong. Like the army marches on Paris and takes it and executes a lot of people.
1: Yeah, it's pretty not great um, for everyone because they'd been under siege, so like people were boiling rats for food and yeah, eating, and a, eating zoo a, animals. Yeah, like. there's a
0: sequence in this book where Aymar like goes to a. Goes to a private party hosted by gourmets, and they have very fancy, like, cat and dog and rat meat. Yeah, it's a... And he goes and he barfs his guts out later.
1: Yeah, there are lots of, lots of prisoners and executions, and I I imagine it's woven into this book, because as we said before, it's part of Endor's, like, whole game, I guess, is that, like... All the founding members of communism were super interested in what happened in the Paris Commune because it it was viewed as a, like, class... It was an act of class warfare at the same time as it was just, like, who liked Prussia or not.
0: Right, yeah, like, it was was very much um, the forces of, like... Like the aristocrats, and to some extent, like the the Catholic Church, like back in the time when the Catholic Church was a big old monolith that yeah yeah that was very deeply embedded in government. Like one another one another another one of the resolutions that this Paris Commune passed was separation of church and state, which at the time like America had done it already, so it would it wouldn't be like a totally alien concept. But I think in Europe that idea took longer to, to take hold because I that, sure. like that's what a lot of people ran from Europe to America for is because they wanted to practice a different brand of oppressive Christianity.
1: <laughs> yep. Sure. <laughs> uh, I will say we could probably, but I like, kid
0: you pur- puritans we, out there. We, like <laughs> I,
1: I want to, okay. Um, <laughs> we could probably go for longer on the commune i will say a couple of years ago i was reading up on paris for a show i was working on there's an awesome series of lectures from i think it's yale there's a history professor if you go into like that if you go into that weird part of itunes where it's all like university lectures and stuff itunes u itunes u which sounds like a phrase not the
0: word you but yeah. like you as in university um there's a series it's different of... from itunes state it's yeah. much more like it's much more <laughs> selective <laughs>
1: uh there's lectures that you can find about this period of time i don't know the guy doesn't really matter but you should go look for it uh, if you're interested <laughs> what happens to this werewolf andrew
0: Okay so I'll I'll run through what happens to Bertrand real quick and then I'll step back to this bloody week and to the political parallels that, that sure. Endor is, is sort of drawing. So Bertrand's like he is under control. He has himself under control for a while but eventually his like need for more than just like cutting and sipping someone's blood gets to this like <laughs> Listen man, I'm just saying what the book says. This it, it gets to the point where he is worried that he's going to kill sophie like in her sleep because oh, geez, okay. he just needs more than that and so he runs he runs out to get it get what he needs from somewhere else which is him basically losing control mm-hmm. and he ends up attacking a fellow soldier who is able to subdue him and he is arrested mm. Um, and so his uncle comes and finds him and that's that's the point where he writes the first draft of this this defense that we that we are ostensibly reading. like reading from sure. like that's that's the narrative that's been framed and it's actually it's not presented as a defense from Imar's point of view like he is saying you know that like like people like they burned witches and they got rid of all these they, they chased down all these supernatural things and maybe they had a point. And like, here's all the evidence I have of this kid being a werewolf. And here is like why we should treat him like our ancestors would have treated him, oh, basically. Geez. And it's it is sort of misread by the court as a as a
1: like a true like
0: in the in the in the olden days this this poor kid would have been treated thusly but we modern cosmopolitan people are not gonna are not gonna be so rough on him so like he just he gets to stay in prison but he doesn't get executed which his which imar is sort of actually aiming for is execution because he doesn't think that this that bertrand can be trusted and that he's a monster and whatever so this all happens and then the bloody week happens and i'm Uh just gonna i'm gonna hit you with a bunch of passages from this book and I have a few others that are just like good turns of phrase that I like like Endor is a we don't always get to the point where we're reading prose and just being like yeah that's good prose but I have a couple of those too okay great <laughs> so all these all these people get killed all of them Um. He and Endor writes as Imar, uh, the whole famous reign of terror in fifteen months guillotined twenty five hundred and ninety-six Aristos, the Versaillists Versailles? Versailles? Versailles. Versailles executed twenty thousand before their firing squads in one week. Do these figures represent the comparative efficiency of guillotine and modern rifle, or the comparative cruelty of upper and lower class mobs? Bertrand, it now seemed to Amar, was but a mild case. What was a werewolf who had killed a couple of prostitutes who had dug up a few corpses compared with these bands of tigers slashing at each other daily? With increasing ferocity and there will be worse, he said. And again, he had that marvelous rising of the heart. Instead of thousands, future ages will kill millions. It will go on. The figures will rise and the process will accelerate. Hurrah for the race of werewolves.
1: Whoa. So it gets like
0: super explicit about the werewolf. Yeah. Being. Yeah. You are a monster. Oh man. Humanity. Man is the real monster.
1: Always, he, always, always.
0: Always man is the real monster. Because he is. Because man what? is a jerk. <laughs> it's actually true. And Bert, like, he actually, he gets to the point with Bertrand, like, he wanted him executed originally. But in time, he comes around to this thought. Why should this one wolf be shut up for an individual crime when mass crimes go unpunished? When all society can turn into a wolf and be celebrated with fife and drum and with flags curling in the wind, why then shouldn't this dog have his day too? yo dang dude so that's like that's i i guess we don't i don't want to talk about what happens to bertrand at the end because it's i don't know it's a it's a little tragic and you can just you can read what happens to bertrand and sophie and imar and everybody if you want to read this book because it's it's a mostly zippy read like i said i thought the first half just flowed better than the second half but this end point where he turns around and he's like, You were the werewolf all along is, <laughs> is the the climax, I think, of the of the book in a lot of ways. Yes.
1: And and it, it extrapolates it does this thing that I, I don't I don't think the pulpy versions of these stories do where like you gotta think this guy sat down and was like, I need to write about uh the paris commune and what happened there but i'm gonna use werewolves to do it he didn't (laughs) he's not just like let me write about an individual man with problems and that happens in a vacuum um there's more i i am fascinated by the way that authors operating outside of like they don't think they're writing a genre book well they're i think just I think, writing I think historical is... fiction that happens to have a werewolf in it
0: yeah right like this is this is more the territory of sci-fi like modern post, not even post star trek like post twilight zone it's like modern modern sci-fi more often gets to use supernatural or futuristic stories to expound on like modern problems and that that's a tradition that continues like up through black mirror which i don't even like like that much but i appreciate what it's trying to do sure <laughs> um but you do i mean you do in a lot of like horror books get this i think in frankest frankenstein it's it's probably the most pronounced but this this attempt to draw this contrast between man and monstrosity Mm -hmm. where like, Mm -hmm. who is, who is the real monster? Is it this thing that's been stitched together by science or is it the people who won't even listen to it before they try to kill it? Or who is the real monster? This kid who might turn into a wolf or is it the people who with only perfunctory sham trials executed tens of thousands of people, you know?
1: Yeah, who's and, the and real are doing monster? It, and are doing it in in like I appreciate that he references the earlier, uh, reign of terror that killed like fifteen hundred rich people mm-hmm. versus the killing of like twenty thousand people who raised up and like rose up. Ro- yeah, well, um, I don't <laughs> know who I would side with in the Paris Commune. I don't want to eat rats. That's who I'm siding with. Um.
0: That's a good, I mean, that's a good way to go just generally, I guess. Yeah. I don't want to eat things that eat X. Craig. Man, what are you called killing 2,500 Aristos, Craig? What? A good start. Oh. Eat the rich. Hashtag <laughs> eat the rich. Understand that this is all coming from a very professional place.
1: I've, I could hear it in your voice. Mm-hmm. So you dug the book. Was it spooky at all?
0: The origin story stuff is a little disquieting. Sure. A lot of the like tracking down and diagnosing the lycanthropy stuff was a little bit spooky, but it was not it wasn't like Dracula spooky. It wasn't like Frankenstein's spooky. Cause the monster not only do you not even really know if you're supposed to think he's actually a wolf or not until like the appendix at the end. Okay. But the monster kind of isn't the point
1: it's not like you're trying to hunt down the werewolf the whole book
0: right like it's it's a it's a it's a monster book it's a werewolf book but it's also a political book and it it should be viewed through that lens I think I, I would say probably more than it should be viewed as a as like a monster book not not that it isn't I appreciate why people say it was the definitive werewolf book but at the same time I don't think it's the definitive werewolf book in like in the sense that a lot of these monster books are definitive monster books. You know, like Dracula like set out all the conventions for vampires that then people have to like confirm or deny for the rest of vampire history or like zombies yeah. or mummies or frankensteins or whatever whatever you got.
1: Well, apparently the the silver bullet thing cropped up in the 19th century and was in Dracula, I don't know if you remember that. There's like a part where like Dracula turns into a giant dog and then they like try to shoot him with a silver bullet. Oh, I guess bullet. I do
0: remember that, yeah, vaguely.
1: So, who knows where that came from. Every but.
0: time I look up, like I looked up, I put po- we posted cuz this episode's going up a little late and we do apologize for that. But the episode I posted for people to like go back and listen to while they waited, Um, especially for like new listeners who haven't dug through the back catalog was Dracula. And I was surprised that that was like episode 48. It felt like it had been more recent than that, but it's like, it's back there. We've done a lot of books. We've read a lot of books. I kind of like it.
1: Yeah. Uh, If you are a werewolf and want to tell us what we got wrong, um, you can hit us up on social media or through email. You could write us an email at overduepod at gmail.com or hit us up on facebook.com slash overdue pod or twitter.com slash overdue pod i want to thank everyone a as andrew said for being patient as we uh post the show a little late and b all the folks who reached out to us on twitter or facebook this week that includes Teresa, i'll be chris Teresa again hmm interesting adam <laughs> sally uh dina natalia tiffany mary kate sarah nathan grace aaron lucas erica starfish chick Brendan, who went off to read the Foundation sequel. Good work, Andrew. Uh, Leslie, who reminded me to post our my, the, my soup recipe to our Instagram page. Go find you that. You did. Um, you did do that. Instagram.com. It's like,
0: like our least professional moment. It's pretty great. Lindsay, a long history of unprofessional moments.
1: Mrs. Whalen, Ruby, Melissa, Valerie, Allison, um, who's one of many who told us about Phil Collins in Hook and that Robin Williams' uh, spooky movie was One Hour Photo. Rachel, uh, Blasphemania, Charlie, Ben T, Tracy, Charlotte, Katie, Josh, uh, Bailey, Jen and her books, Yerba Jocko, Jaco, Liz, and Lydia Crane, whose last name is Crane and lived in the house from a filming of The Haunting. What? That's spooky. Andrew, if folks want to get more spooked, where should they go?
0: They should go to overduepodcast.com where you can find our past Spooktober episodes and all our other episodes, including those from Spooktober's past. This is our third annual Spooktober Spooktacular, and we have lots of other spooky podcasts for you to listen to. Um, We also have links to iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and our RSS feed that you can subscribe through. If you subscribe in iTunes, do rate and review us. We do... And this is me being completely a hundred percent professional because we we have fun on this show. we have our fun, but we do earnestly read every single one of those reviews like positive negative constructive, not constructive and it does like it does make us feel good, and it does spur like conversation between Craig and I about like what we can what we're doing and like if we can be doing it better so um thank you to everyone who has done that
1: more importantly, it affects uh unfeeling algorithms that help other people find the show. That is
0: true. Yes. That also. Also never forget about the unfeeling algorithms that run our lives. Just I love on, that like, day, band. To day.
1: I love the unfeeling algorithms. The unfeeling
0: algorithms and yeah, their early stuff was pretty good. Um we also have Amazon links to the books that we have read and are going to read. You can click those and we get a little bit of a cut if you buy stuff. Um, We have links to our Patreon page, which you can use to support us. We have links to HeadGum, our podcast network, and Spreaker, our podcast host. Craig, is there anything else?
1: No, we're coming up with our bonus episode for Spooktober, which is uh, Goosebumps book. And then I'm reading The Ring, or I think it's just called Ring, um, the first of those books that became the spooky movies you know and love.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you again for being patient. Um, we haven't missed a Monday in a while, so I feel pretty bad that breaking the streak was my fault. But it's all good. One one of us had to blink sometime, and it was me. Um, we will be back next Monday, and until then, try to be professional and try to be happy.